Oh, we're peaking. Oh, we're peaking hard. Don't peak. I'll try not to. Okay. But I think I've already peaked. <laughs> I think you have too. Oh! Alright. So, you want me to lead off? Start really. this bad boy up. Uh, Do you want to host? Yeah. Well, I think I should. Okay. Well, you can host as the incompetent incumbent. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a great title. <laughs> Um, that is a really good title. That is a podcast title for a heard one. It is. Incompetent Incumbent. You're going to start it with, Hi, my name's Craig. I'm the Incompetent Incumbent. I'm here today to host. And then you're going to break in. Well, that's just confusing now because it sounds like I'm Craig. It does. <laughs> I'm not Craig. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get this thing going. Kick us off, sir. Hello and welcome to the Emotive Pixels podcast. This is a special sad episode, a retrospective of Evolution Studios. Who you in might memoriam. Know. Yeah, it's Sorry, yes, an in memoriam. An R.I.P. I will raise a glass. I will toast. It's a good sound. It is a good sound. Evolution Studios, Cheers. you might know as the developer of Motorstorm and Drive Club. Um, and the World Rally Championship Series for quite a while. It sounded like they had the lockdown and the license for that. Yep. I am Nate Stevens, here today with just one man. Just myself. This is Craig Schumann. He is very knowledgeable. Uh, arguably. We'll see where that goes. He has played at least one of these games. I have played at least five. Wow. At Three least. of them in the last 24 hours. Uh, that is accurate. Boosh. <laughs> Craig, do you have a favorite out of this developer's pedigree? Um, so, surprisingly, it it might be Drive Club. That's a correct opinion. Do not think that that would have been my assessment as of a week ago. When you think about developers with a bad history of botched launches, it's hard to beat Evolution. Would you like to explain <laughs> a little bit about that? <laughs> so, I mean, if we go all the way back, and by all the way back, I mean go back to about the middle of their history and look at MotorStorm and when it was supposed to launch as a launch title for the PS3 in late uh, 2006 and then ended up getting pushed into early 2007 yeah. and launched in March, but still launched in Japan in December of 2006. Just in time for the launch of the console, or at least within a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, it was pretty close. Um so they might have had a little bit of trouble there. And then if we fast forward a few Wait, years... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just hang on. Sorry. You remember how novel it was to be able to import games from Japan? Oh, God. Region free. I know. It's a great it was, thing. It's it still a, a thing. It, uh, not for all consoles. No, that's true. It's that's still a thing sad. for the superior console. <laughs> Let's be clear. Boosh. Um, so if we fast forward a couple years into 2011, when Motorstorm Apocalypse which was the third in the series, was... What a great name, Apocalypse. Nothing could possibly go wrong with no, that. There's clearly nothing that could go wrong. <laughs> Craig, unless, what about a nuclear disaster? What about a giant tsunami? Oh, yes. What about a giant tsunami that causes a nuclear disaster? That would be bad. But it, what about... Okay, just hypothetically. All right. What if the PlayStation <laughs> Network also went down? All of these things would all be bad news. They would. Imagine how any of those how one things... How would a studio weather that kind of a, like, a f event? Probably by making a game that has giant tornadoes circling off the ocean. That and did happen. It, it did. But, and I mean, destroying it a was, pier. It was one step away from a nuclear plant. And it that, is that true. That might have been just off screen. Yeah, there, there may have been. So, the, uh, the game may have launched... Slightly In the worst possible time yeah. for any video game launch ever. In fact, the game was pushed. It was originally supposed to come out earlier, and then because of the apocalypse happening in Japan, to almost a literal extent, yeah. they had to push the, uh, the release of the game. How long did they push it? Uh, it was only about like four months. I think it was maybe it was a little bit less than that, but it was during. It was supposed to come out like early summertime, if I recall correctly, looking back to 2011. 
but it got pushed into later, just later in the summer, kind of as they waited for things to go down. But I think the biggest thing that happened was there was zero marketing push. It just None. kind of got pushed yeah, out. So and then, forgotten. Yeah, and then just released. I feel like I remember going into the store and being like, hey, can I get Motorstorm Apocalypse? And they were like, no. What? What is that? What is that? And me looking it up and being like, oh, it got delayed. That sucks. Yeah. Oh, my God. There was a design. Yeah. And yeah. being like, oh. It was really very awkward. It was really tragic. And then... And then I, I waited and I got it. And I was the only one, I think. Yeah. I think we can all say that it... Uh, I think it critically bombed. Or not critically bombed. My mistake. It was still actually reviewed pretty well. I think it ended up just below an 8 on Metacritic. That's pretty good. Yeah. But um, commercially... What, what did you tanked. think when you picked like this up? Like a giant tanker. Like exploding. Going as through it's a hurling towards you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this game when you first picked it up? So, what, if... If I take myself, if I may ask. yeah, no, by all means, you can ask whatever you want. How did you feel about the first MotorStorm? Okay, so the first MotorStorm, it takes me way back because I was one of those people that was camping out for the PS3. I was all in on it. I was working at Best Buy at the time, and, and put you a level above him. Yeah, you think? Yeah, God, arguably. But while I was working there, we had the PS3 demo kiosk that was set up, and MotorStorm was one of the games that was on the kiosk. So what you're saying is you've been salivating day in and day out since well before the launch of the console. I would say I'm as moist as the mud in the game. Wow. Yeah. That was pretty moist. <laughs> that was one of the tech highlights, I think. It really was. Wow. Um, but I remember just watching people come in and play the game, and then I remember... Be just like you fucking suck? Yeah. Okay. I mean, when you're watching a demo reel play over and over and over again. Well, the thing about MotorStorm is I imagine it was exciting every time. That's also true. Pants shittingly stressful, too. <laughs> You'd just be watching people just randomly blow up or hold the boost too long and not even realize that their car's about to explode and go hurling off a cliff. That sounds like a microcosm of working at Best Buy, actually. It's pretty just accurate. This, like, blood-boiling rage at how people are doing things wrong and having no choice but to cheer them on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was my life for a year. But it got better because Motorstorm came out in March. It did. And I, I got Motorstorm. I was I was all in on Motorstorm. You know what had happened by the time you got Motorstorm, Craig? No. I'd already beaten Motorstorm. God damn it. How did you already beat Motorstorm? Because I had the Japanese version. I might not have been able to read much of the menus, but I beat it. So why do you think it was... This is pure speculation now because I don't have the information here. But why do you think... Motorstorm was released in Japan ahead of the American release. I think it was think a really clever... Well, I think they assumed that it wasn't going to sell shit in Japan. Okay. Which may or may not be true. I okay. don't know about Japanese racing game consumption habits. And it does seem a fairly American like, concept, yeah. though. You know? These buggies. It looks... It's like a Mad Max world of cobbled together vehicles being hurled around a desert yeah. and American-esque landscape. Very much so. Very much remember... It's uh, like Monument Valley was the opening. Yeah. I mean, you can't really get much more American than that. Oh, God, the music. The... <laughs> that was my first time slam. I ever heard Slam. Yeah, I think that was both of our introductions to Slam, which would go on to be an influential part of our electronic music rep... rep, rep repertoire? There, there you go. Thanks. All right. Rip, 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 rip. It um, actually, that song, that song's played me into Utah, so. That's fair. As, as I've kind of headed towards Moab, instead of Monument Valley, which, you know, better. I believe you have, well, uh, arguably. I don't think you've even been. I have not been to Monument it's Valley. A, but. Big talking. As you're kind of heading into the desert landscape and you it's just get pendulum just throbbing through. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's enjoyable. Uh, that, Sorry, we were talking about Japan. What? <laughs> <laughs> How far back was that exactly? Oh, yeah, the launch. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a great way to give people 
kind of the promise of a launch game. They were making use of the fact that you could import these games for the first time in, I mean, all of PlayStation's history, at the very least. True. Yeah, you no longer had PAL and NTSC and all these other region, region locks. locks. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was a way to fulfill that promise, and they just dropped out the feature they hadn't completed yet, which, as you'll recall, was multiplayer and sc- split screen. Split screen. So I think it was actually a pretty clever idea. Yeah. And it was able, I mean, you were able to get your hands on it early. Yeah. Yeah. Because you usually think if something's going to drop somewhere first, especially if it's going like a Japanese market, then if it's being developed by a... European studio. Yeah. They're probably not translating it to Japanese first. No, not normally. Yeah. Although they didn't do that much translation work. It was really just the menus. Arguably, it's not a... Not a text-heavy game, I suppose, or a voiceover heavy. No, no, no. But before we leave the topic of Pendulum, everyone should watch the music video for Slam because it's oh, just God. charming. It what, charming is one way to put it. <laughs> YouTube will uh, enlighten you, I suppose. Stayed. Anyone who wants to know, yeah. So if we look at other trouble launches though, in their history, Motorstorm Apocalypse wasn't the end of that. No, it was not. So Drive Club was even worse. Uh, uh, I think it came out in a more judgmental launch window era where it, games were coming faster and quicker. and It did, and it came out at a time where I think a lot of the speculation was this is another studio that's owned by Sony making a game that looks like a simulation game. And when it was first thing? introduced... Well, I think Gran Turismo might hold that championship oh, within yeah, People that. care about that. Yeah. I got a lanyard about that. Yeah, that's a thing. Yep. But... So when the game was first introduced and they were showing you getting into the vehicle, like it was very clear that this was very realistic and very almost maybe simulation heavy. But I think the messaging there was, all right, so we have another studio doing something like Polyphony's doing. I, I don't I, And we're going to launch earlier. Like, do, why do we need Drive Club? Well, I think... Uh, I think you're right. I think that is a real thing. But I think also the messaging was heavily focused on your friends and social competition and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, I don't care about any of that. I don't know if this game's for me. Yeah, and it came out at a time where that was very much in, like, the zeitgeist of the culture was everything needs to be bringing everyone together. Everything's social. It's being introduced with a console that's share... has a share button. It's it's true. It's very friendly to trying to... this isn't a post Need for Speed like Speedwall era, where, yeah. You know, every, oh, that's true. Yeah, most every wanted event you do, yeah, yeah, most wanted on every, yeah, everything you do is being ranked and measured up against your friends. I think it was the next logical step in that process. Yeah, so they bring it into showing off that there's going to be, you know, score challenges going on on the track. So was, as you're going through the race, it's not just that, right? It's not just at the end. It's not just time trials. It's all right. You're getting ranked on maybe how you drift a corner or how well you stay to the apex of a turn or something of that nature. Absolutely. And we'll talk more about the specifics of Drive Club later when we kind of talk about each of each of the titles. Each of the studio's games, yeah. So, But how, what what happened at launch? How bad did it go? So it, it, it did not come out. And it got delayed. And um, What about that PlayStation one, Plus? I, I was going to say. Yeah. So PlayStation Plus, so it was supposed to be one of the games that would be launching at or near the console's launch It'd be PS Plus, so as PlayStation Plus was now required for internet functionality, it's like a great there's introduction. A way to toss it in there. Yeah, yeah. it's like, like, all right, so there's people so you're that nervous about signing up for Plus, but check out this crazy game you get. Yeah, you get, and it looks and gorgeous. It, right? it looks amazing, and it was. I believe the Plus edition from the start was basically promised to be its own game, pretty much. And I believe hearing rumors that it was supposed to have its own platinum. 
we right. were able to get the platinum from just the plus version. And I so I still believe that's true. Actually, it might I be. Think, but that was like so. So, needless to say, though, it did not launch when the console launched. It did not launch six months after the console launched. It continued to prolong, and the communication was messy at best, probably, yeah, as no, trying kind to of forgotten for a while and figure then... out when this game was going to come out and trying to keep people's excitement heavy. I mean, you had on the competing platform, Forza got announced... Yet another one, yep. yeah. And was I think Horizon Two release. came out and went at the. I, I have to check that, but I think Horizon One was the first one. I think that was on the 360, though. Oh, you're right. My mistake. Yeah, no worries. Um, so you had these other games that were taking up some of the spotlight that would go to a title that's launching, and at least within the racing genre, right? Like it's a yeah fairly a- crowded market for who enjoys those titles. Yeah. So, so you we waited, and then people waited, and and then people waited, and a little more, yeah, a little more, and then when the game finally did come out, um, it launched, and the servers suffocated. They were yeah, absolutely dead. absolutely trash. Yep. So, and you were there around launch time, right? You were yep. there as a retail owner, where I was holding off, and I was waiting for the PS Plus edition, which. I think a lot of people out. were waiting for it, yeah. yeah. So and those that weren't were biffed by the reviews that were like, what the fuck? Yeah, so what happened during the retail launch to kind of hinder and damage the game's reputation for being an online-centric racing title? So when you would play as part of a club, things would constantly go up and down, like during the race. At the bottom of the screen in the center, there's a little marquee that said, the connection to Drive Club service has been lost. Yeah. And you'd race for like a lap and it'd say, the connection to Drive Club service has been restored. It would come up and down so often within the span of one race that not only would the functionality of the different challenges be broken, uh, you wouldn't really be able to like... You wouldn't reliably be able to contribute fame towards the way your club works. And again, we'll talk kind of more specifically about how these things work a little sure. later, but... One of the core features of the game was basically, like, crippled. And I had done my research. I don't really tend to buy things on launch day, and I was kind of reading the reviews, and I wasn't... I, I had, So I kind of went in knowing that there was a bunch of online problems, but I picked it up anyway. Yeah. And so it didn't bother me that much. And it wasn't... Like, the game was still playable. It, yeah. didn't, there, it didn't lag every time it went down or up. Like, it it's wasn't... Just a notification. It yeah, wasn't... It wasn't... It... it it hindered the a lot of the social features, maybe, but a lot of the social features of this game were built asynchronously, right? Like this yeah. isn't a game where you're racing against other people on this on this like at the same time. So it to me it wasn't really the biggest deal because it wasn't interfering with my gameplay in any way. So that's not how most people felt. Yeah. And I think critics lampooned it so heavily that I mean, they really just tore out a new one. I think it was close to the beginning, or maybe it was the first example of Polygon's, like, like review. Oh, provisional review? Yeah. yeah, where they're like, all right, this... And things were changing, so they were they were patching and disabling features, I believe, oh, yeah. to they were remove panicking. server load, and then yep. and eventually it saying bad. it's going to come back down the road. But it was... It was weeks. It, I think it was possibly in a month. And yeah. it was definitely months and months and I remember and months after that the PS Plus edition finally did arrive because oh, yeah, they didn't want late. to um, I remember keeping, what they published at yeah. least they didn't want to bring in a bunch of more, in more players yeah, yeah more players it's like alright let's let's figure this out now let's get the servers to a point where we can handle it and then we'll 
Well, plus whenever yeah, that happens, ship it yeah. to more people essentially. Which is interesting. I mean, I remember reading the patches like eagerly each time and them talking about removing features and improving stability and me being like, okay, it's going to be better now. And I think it was multiple patches where I was convinced of that and just I would have the same kind of problems. And it was kind of crazy, but I, I'm i not really the biggest online multiplayer kind of guy anyway, and I just kind of went without. And yeah. it's, I still thought it was a it was a pretty cool game. The actual, I, the core of the game, right? So, like, the mechanics, the actual racing was still enjoyable, even with well, the online. Let, let, me, let me level with you. Okay. Uh, I was skeptical about buying the game. I wasn't really sure. And it wasn't until I heard who the soundtrack was by, Hybrid, uh, that I went out and bought it, which is kind of an embarrassing thing to admit in retrospect, considering how much I like the game now. Yeah. Um, and when I did get it, I picked it up and played quite a bit of it and then put it down and was kind of like, I don't know if I really like this because I was really bad at it. Oh, I was sure. like, I don't really like the handling model. And then my roommate had just gotten an Xbox One and I played Forza Horizon 2 a lot. And then I came back to it and was like, oh my God. I, don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I have just, I don't know if they changed the handling model or what, but I was like, this is a great game. It started to feel right. Yeah, it clicked. So, so that was interesting. So to... to- kind of finish off their their troubled launch history here so the ps plus edition did eventually come out right so they delivered so. that the um a, a fully playable version of the game was released to consumers on ps plus and they could download it and kind of get into it and then i believe even you could buy into the full game so from that, add some more features at a reduced cost as well um and over time, they've continued, and this is to Evolution Studios' credit, that they continue to support the game, and they continue to work on that patches. An, I think that's an understatement. Yeah. I, I think like that they fixed the launch problems. They kept going. Yeah, they went way above and beyond. And we can get into how they uh, handled their season pass and DLC down the road, but I think that kind of brings some of the clarity to where Evolution went through a couple different challenges throughout their history. Um before, unfortunately, being closed. On, Very recently, uh, on March 22nd, right? March 22nd, 2016. Sony officially closes Evolution Studios. It's a bad scene. Sounds like they've got some future plans, hopefully. I hope we for the people there, at least. I was going to say, honestly, we're, we all hope that, hope that they anyone land on lands feet, on yeah, their feet. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. Especially when they're going through this. In this industry. But uh, when we look at where the game's at now, it's... It's awesome. remarkable, and it's remarkable that it's honestly, got a very thriving community. It seems after a year of being out there, that or more than a year, probably uh, since 2014, that they went through so much to get it to where it's at, and I think a lot of people underappreciate because you can't make up that first impression. Yes, and as yeah, I think different critics have pointed out many times you really only get one launch yeah. this game was I mean basically completely dismissed by everyone that's not pretty much part of that community now I was gonna say, yeah, and had multiple kind of launches soft launches that people were anticipating and then by the time that it finally was here and then it runs into those issues and starts to generate that in the press cycle it's like alright I'm, I'm, I'm out yeah, and absolutely. now you're away from a console launch where there's a Kind of a dearth of titles. Like, it's like, all right, you have yeah. You they had a like, you want to shoot for that launch window. You yeah, the launch. You're going to get you know. You get a game like Knack. Like a Knack sold over a million units, and that game won. I, I would probably say it's not going to sell a million, even with there's yeah. so many more PS4s in the wild in 2016. If they've launched Knack right now, 
still I don't sell know that. if yeah. it would sell a million, but since they launched it right at the beginning of the console, there was there on day one, people could go in and be like, all right, I'm going to pick up this little platformer. It's like it's really quite tragic. I mean, if Drive Club had had that successful launch window, we'd still have Evolution, I think. Yeah, I think arguably probably still be there. Yeah. Um, and it is tragic. Yeah. So. Do we want to talk about MotorStorm? Yeah, I was going to say, I think we take it back. I think we go back towards... Yeah, so Let's talk about the evolution of that crazy series. Uh, we can even go back a little bit further. At least I noticed that neither of us played World Rally Championship on PS2, right? We did not. I didn't have a PS2 until very end, end range. There. End of the generation. Yeah. And, um, yeah. They had the WRC license for five whole games. What's that? And five years. One to 2005. Yeah, so they were pumping them out pretty much annually um yeah wasn't something that i was paying attention to until i assume it rocked considering all their other games i was gonna say if if the trajectory that's held up to where drive club has been reached then i'm sure there's building blocks you could look at in those series and see inspiration from them in motorstorm definitely i mean i had the latest wrc game from this year or i guess it was late last year and that game is not that great so i would suspect that Either it went downhill after Evolution, or it just never went anywhere. It's interesting. In the face of things like Dirt and Codemasters. Yeah, doing some other stuff within the rally genre. Definitely. So, after MotorStorm... Well, no, let's, let's, let's talk about what happens in MotorStorm. What, what do you, what, can you describe MotorStorm in a sentence? Off-road besides racing. Besides Slam. Yeah, besides Pendulum. Yeah. Uh, I think off-road see. racing is an understatement. I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, how about dramatic aggressive. off-road racing with aggressive destruction of competitors? Absolutely. Like punching. Whilst flying through the air like a rock-hard ballerina. Wow. That was very specific. That was. Uh, I don't think that's accurate. It's good to know what you Google yeah. in your spare time. <laughs> um, Please, no one. Yeah, MotorStorms, yeah, I, I don't think I can do better than that, actually. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know. That's... Yeah, I think it was pretty... I don't know if there's a lot of other games like it. It's interesting because it does play like a like a rally game turned up to 12. I almost wonder if they were developing those, you know, those games with an official license from the WRC and just kind of wanted to... Do something a little crazier. Just take it to the extreme. Be like, all yeah. right, let's just. Let's what if we had trucks, like a dump truck, okay? And then it fucking just just rams you off the road, you know? And then that was just part of the game. And I, I think that's kind of exactly where MotorStorm went. But wait, okay. What if? Just listen, guys. You just set it up on a fucking cliff. Okay, well that's fair. But then, um, and you had mud. Okay, how much mud though? Uh, uh, all of the mud. What, what about later if you added plants? And water and fire. And then what if you just said, fuck it? We're not even going to put up guardrails. If you go off course. Yeah, just check out. Yeah, yeah, you're done. And then let's add some ramps in there. Let's add some dire, like vehicles. Like, I mean, let's just throw you that all in there. You can drive a bike, but someone else is going to drive a monster truck and they're going to fucking land on you off these jumps. So that's something that's kind that's of particular something. to this, right? Like, yeah. it, it is a game that offers vehicles across multiple classes interacting with each other at the same time. Yes, there's a lot of physics going on. Oh, God, yes. So many physics. All of the physics. Havoc, even. Havoc. And havoc is the most physics physics can be. I think it's pretty much just physics. It's true. But what if you also took these tracks and said, ah, fuck it. I don't want a single track. I I don't want two tracks. 
Yeah, I want like I want them to go over each other and through each other, crossing back and forth, looping. I, I want the chance that a monster truck Can could take out a rally car and just T-bone it. T-bone, that's the word. That is the one. Thank you. As the tracks are crisscrossing each other and just explode into a thousand pieces. What if? But okay, this, that's a great idea. But what if we also added amazing level design? What if we added slow mo? Well, now, now we're in the third game, aren't we? Oh Jesus! Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure when uh, when you blow up in Motorstorm, you get that glorious slow mo. Do you? Wow, yes. even way back then. Yeah, even way back we're then. Truly ahead of their time. They were. It was after Max Payne, so I mean, we're not like that is going true. It's way like, I mean, back. That's but, true. That is true. Uh, so after the first Motorstorm, there was Motorstorm Pacific Rim. So Motor- Rift. Keep wow. calling it fucking Guillermo del Toro's masterpiece. Yeah, that would be. Sorry, no Max in this. Are you? Would the game be better with Max? Hmm. That's uh, I, God. I knew. Does no. it really need them? No. I mean, you kind of have. They your would own, make their own paths. Yeah. You have. Yeah. Well, you have your own Max kind of. By being able to change all your different vehicles. I do feel like each of these games was pushing the, pushing the PS3 at its time to its absolute limit. Uh, that That is something that when Motorstorm 1 came out, it was like a technological showpiece th- for the title. Absolutely. Like you were like showing track kiosks for yeah, a reason. Deformation, you were being able to show particles and uh, the physics of the vehicles breaking apart. Like there was a lot of things going on that yeah. you could kind of show off. But one of the... Complaints, I believe, that was levied towards MotorStorm 1. I don't was, even believe there could have ever been such a thing. It was kind of brown. Okay, that's true, yeah. I mean... So they fixed that right up proper in Pacific Rift. How yeah, did they do that? Let's just put it on an island. They, 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 the opening cinematic of that game pretty much says everything. Yeah, let's, well, let's put what it on an quote? island with a volcano. The land yeah. prepares itself. For MotorStorm. It's pretty good. It's great. It's a good quote. There must have been something... I The, the opening of MotorStorm 1 had a great opening, too. It did. There must have been some good quotes in there. Was it That's was something it that... Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember either. I just remember, like, the fucking Monument Valley and the just, helicopters flying yep. in the monster trucks and letting them... Yeah, oh my God. I was going to say, the actual, like, MotorStorm, like, event that was happening... Yeah. I don't think transcended into the gameplay or the races as much like you knew that there was this big party happening i think in but three it just kind started, of or in, in apocalypse it started creeping in there yeah that's a little totally bit true um, it started creeping onto the track but so, so let's what, go back what, to what, i mean so the general plot of these things is that somewhere in the middle of nowhere or no man's land or whatever a bunch of literally crazies yes titled crazies yes come and just host racing events at the end of the earth Yep. So in the first one, it was basically Monument Valley. Yep. Out in the desert, people just flew out there and just started fucking racing around whatever vehicle they could bring in, however they could get it there. Think Burning Man mixed Except with Mad Max. Y- yes. That, that is perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> and then in the second one, it was a Pacific Island with, like, eruptions and all sort of... I was like, going to say, it was, a volcanic, it was volcanically active. It had cliff sides. It had jungles. It, it had water. It had, it had everything. Yeah. Literally, it's just like, all right, well, if you think this is a little too narrow, we're just going to go completely other spectrum. And I think, like, the first the thing... Wheels to the wall? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I did literally drive around on the side of a cave wall today. But That's true. With a waterfall pouring over you. Yep. So that kind of helps set up what you were doing within Rift. Yeah. I do like how the events are divided into earth, air, fire, and water. Very cool. That is, like, different zones. That helps cool. set up the island a little bit more to kind of understand, like, all right, am I going into an area where I'm going to be jumping? Am I going into an area where it's going to be hot? Right. Is it going to be muddy? Is it going to be... 
what? Absolutely. A couple new vehicle classes were added. I yep. don't actually know about that. Yeah, there were. Mud Plugger, I think, was one of the new ones. I, I'm, I, I don't remember I'm not ones. going to. I was yeah, going to say, sure, I will I'm not, not put anything on, on recording of what vehicles were adding. But they did change the boost mechanics. How so? What was it like in the first game? So in the first game, you had you know your standard boost meter, and if you maxed it out, poof, you exploded. Maybe it's boom. I might know, be poof more is not what I would say for exploding, but yeah, okay. Especially in this game. Not at all. Or yeah. series. All right, go on. All right. Um, and then in Rift, they started playing with the f- elements. So obviously it's very apparent from the first time you select an event that the elements are critical to this island. Yeah, they're definitely a play. So when you're boosting, you now have the ability to either cool down or... Your boost will heat up and it go up even quicker now, depending on what's around now, you. Craig, so, what element oh would you drive through to heat up your boost meter? I'm very confused by this. Fire. Holy shit. You're saying that driving over a magma pit would heat up my car? It might. Wow. Like, a little bit. All right, I'm confused, though. Still confused. Okay. What would driving through a frigid cold waterfall do to my car? It might cool it down. Wow. Interesting. It was fascinating. It's, but it started to play with... non-logical. Oh, I mean, they really started to stretch the boundaries here. They did. They pushed my brain to its literal limit. Before even the third game. If there was magma... Magma. And your boost started heating up, then it'd be kind of nice if there was, like, some misters that you could drive your car through that would cool it Are you suggesting, like, a car wash operating 24-7 on one of the tracks? Well... On the side of a volcano. I've got you covered, because that happens. Fantastic. It's it's good. Yeah. Uh, So, phew... Yeah, that game would be fucking terrible if it didn't have that. I was going to say, if you just were randomly driving on the side of a lava pit, just continually exploding as your car overheats. God, I'd have to strategize, and you saw how bad I was at that. That's true. If there's a, a wall coming near you... All right, Craig, but but what if I wanted to drive a big rig that was flaming over a giant like vat of lava? Could I do that in this game? You could jump it over lava. Oh, my God. Well, tell me something you'd like to see in this game that's totally not possible. Oh, God. What if I had a motorcycle? Mm-hmm. And you got crushed by a big rig? No. Coming down on top of you? Well, th- that did happen to me. It's, it's, not, not, it's not good. No, it wasn't. It's Winsworthy, for sure. <laughs> it was a little unfortunate. Winsworthy would be a terrible was, name. Thank God. I was heading down the side of a mountain. Yeah. Off the cliff. Uh-huh. Semi. I mean, what the- <laughs> it just, <laughs> just landed from on From the me. behind yeah. of your screen? No, no, it just plowed. literally... Pancakes me. Oh my god, that sounds terrible, yeah. But no, if I were uh, in a motorcycle, mm, and then I was racing against other people, well, yeah, on a motorcycle is probably better. You would be in after you got pancaked by that <laughs> truck, though. <laughs> <laughs> also true. What if I could punch someone? Oh! Like Road Rash style. Let's go way back, machine. Just just, just absolutely deck them the shit off <laughs> their ATV. What if I could do that while we're jumping over the magma pit? What though? if you were pissed that someone was stupid enough to bring an ATV on your goddamn bike-owned course? Then I'm going to fucking punch them. Right in the middle. Knock them right off. Oh, my God. That was fantastic. They're going to fall. It's going to hurt. These are moments that have all happened. They are. Yeah. It's a great game. It, it's a lot of fun. What about the music, though? So the like, music... Okay, so here's the thing. It's impossible, especially for us launchers, yeah. to evaluate the objective qualities of these soundtracks. It's true. And I have listened to them both outside of the game. And let me explain to you why. Why would you do that? Because Slam overshadows the soundtrack <laughs> of the entire trilogy, which is amazing because the soundtrack <laughs> for Apocalypse doesn't even work in the same way. And it still is overshadowed. It is unfortunate. And 
Let's not forget that they That's brought Pendulum for... back to introduce Rift. And that was and great. You have Tarantula just blaring as they introduce the island. That is great. And the soundtracks are both good and they're strong. There's a lot of drum and bass and it's it's cool. We're talking about uh, Motor Storm and Pacific Rift yeah. in particular here. Um, but I, I still don't think going back to it and thinking about it, neither of the soundtracks lived up to your memory of, of Slam. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Of, it just, of just Pendulum, yeah. It, uh, for either title, they're both so iconic and intrinsically tied to when I first saw those games and played but it them. it never got that, old. No. It just, it worked. And so much so that you doing remotely similar things in real life has been infiltrated by this song. That's true. I mean, it's just amazing. I don't know if that song was made for that. Like, they had that, those fucking, well, they are Australian. They are. So, I mean, they're 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 probably just driving to work is probably like Motorstorm. That's probably accurate. It's just a little less wet because there's no fucking rain. Well, and there's more spiders. Yeah, I was going to say, the wildlife doesn't quite make it into Motorstorm. No, if it was a PS4 game, maybe. Maybe. So, where they uh, where they take us after Rift? Well, if you, if you, if you oh. look at the game Rift and you think yeah. to yourself, what more can we do? We've driven over volcanoes. We True. fucking... We were in the desert. That was hot. We've flown. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've driven been? down... We've been in jungles. So many jungles. We've had vine whip mechanics. We've had water pools. We've had waterfalls. Oh, God. Uh, what, Traumatic memories. What do, you, what do you do, man? ATVs. People. I think ATVs are the worst. Getting hit by a vine. Vine whip. Oh, but you can bunny hop and duck. It's true. But if you don't duck... And a vine, vine just takes you yeah, it's like right off your Bulbasaur yeah. up in here. It's a bad scene. <laughs> so, I don't know. What do you do? Where do you go? What, when I you feel reach, like this is it the... feels like you're at the ends of the earth. Why don't you just turn that phrase a little bit? And someone said ends of end, end of the world? <gasps> Apocalypse. Is it weird that even now, looking back at this, I feel like this question that they posed to themselves after Rift launched is probably the same question being posed to the Fast and Furious directors. That's true. I mean, where else do you go? That is very true. Space. Who else do you go? Into space. The oh. Space is a good one. Although... This game doesn't even shy away from cars in midair. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> I don't think having less gravity would do any... Oh, it's like the A-Team with the tank out of the plane. This game goes there. That's true. It, start, it literally starts a race by dropping your car out of the back of a plane. A big old B-52. And then they say, welcome to Motorstorm Apocalypse. That is correct. They go to the Apocalypse. And not only any Apocalypse. It must have been a great meeting. They bring it into... Oh, Jesus. That brought this one out. Yeah. Let's bring it to the Apocalypse. And then let's not only... Let's... Ah, fuck all that nature. Let's change the setting. Yeah. We don't need nature. No, we're going to do all man-made environments. Just going to shit. Where are we going to put it? The end of the world. We're going to put it in Bohemia. Okay. We're going to put it on the boardwalk. Oh, sorry, San Francisco. Thank you. We're going to put it on the boardwalks. Okay. Of Santa. Uh, I don't even Santa, know. Santa, Santa Clara? Clara? Yeah, something down there. One of those. Yeah, I don't, it's hard to tell with a tornado in the air. That's also true. Uh, we're going to put it on... Um, geez, where else did we put it? We, oh, I, I got it. We're gonna, Okay, we're going to have the city with enough skyscrapers that when they all fall down, we can drive over the top of them. Okay. Brilliant. I mean, yeah, that, that's nuts. Uh, what's another thing? Where else are we going to put it? Let's go. Uh, let's go underground too. That checks out. 
Like subway tunnels and yep. shit? Take a ride underground. Oh, my God. What? If, well, okay, well, here's a okay, board meeting idea number two. Okay. What if we took some of the levels that are above ground and had them transition to underground levels, you know, around lap three? But how? How would we do that? You're, how would you do that that makes any sort of sense when the apocalypse is happening? What's Why happening would you during the apocalypse, Craig? You got a bunch of helicopters with too many missiles and they need to get rid of some of the missiles. Gotta get rid of that weight. Sometimes you just shoot the road and it collapses into the subways beneath. But what if there's, like, rioters and shit also? Oh, the crazies. Oh, God. I mean, they're trying to take over, too. Please tell me about the crazies. Uh, they, I mean, they are nuts. And they're all over the tracks. Are they throwing, like, Molotov cocktails and stuff? Or what are they doing? I think they do do that, oh, yes. God. But mostly they get hit by you, the driver, the player. Clinging onto your car, sadly. It kind of sounds like Carmageddon. does sound like Carmageddon. What makes it different than Carmageddon? I don't think there's blood. Nor do I think you're outfitting your vehicle to murder pedestrians. <laughs> that is true. You do not have any bayonets on the front of your car. Yeah, I think that's that might that is, that is very true. Yeah. Uh, this game really is nuts. There, I'm not very good at reacting on the fly to things, and there's a fuckload of things going on in some of these levels. I was going to say, they took the series and kind they of your reaction time. Yeah, and they're like, all right, so as we make a jump from doing rally cars to... Going just kind of off the wall. Berserk. Just, yeah, going in a motor storm. And then it's like, all right, well, let's take motor storm and let's kind of see if we can dial that up a little bit more and have literally the track change in front of you. Let's have you adjust to things falling on you, falling towards you, falling around you, explosions going off, people running across the track. The obvious inspiration here is Split Second, which was a Disney game that well, that, that, that came out... Quite a bit. Is it really fair to call it a Disney game? No, I mean they published BlackRock, right? And that was like the only thing they did. (laughs) That sounds sounds accurate. Yeah, because Disney was like, um, I mean, what split second in like a one sentence summary is a game where the track changes due to like catastrophic atmospheric events, and you get to trigger them, right? So that's you do get to trigger it. That is true. So in split second, you get to intentionally pretty much yeah, you're trying or trying to cause issues where and. Apocalypse, you have to react to the way that the world is changing. Right. Uh, what else did they change in Apocalypse? Because in the board meeting, they weren't content to let it stop there. No, they're like, all right, let's add maybe a story mode. Yeah, how about how about some narrative? How are we going to illustrate that narrative? Comics. Those are kind Done. of Done. Cool. You know what's hip right now? It's comics. Comics. <laughs> they're <laughs> making a comeback. Really hip in four years? Comics. All right, let's do that. You got anyone in the studio who can draw comics? No? All right, well, study up. You're going to need to draw comics quick. For cutscenes. For cutscenes. Many cutscenes. And not only that, like, you don't get to now just inhabit the world. You don't get to just play. You actually have a character. You have a person that you're going to play as as you go throughout this world and try and experience the apocalypse as it happens. Right. I mean, you're kind of exploring the way that people... These cra- sorry, you're not the crazies. You're well, the other side of the crazies, arguably. which is the people that come to race in this environment. Uh, you kind of see how different like factions of them behave and what their motivations are. So the second guy is I forget his name, but he's in the Brotherhood. Clearly, yep. the Brotherhood of Steel. Considering you're driving cars, there's five of them. People yes, five, the five in the Brotherhood. Yes, yeah. um, and they're in it to win it. I guess they really all are. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm kind of specific. feeling like if you're racing through the apocalypse, you're probably you're in it to win it. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're all equally nuts. You've yeah. got the same end goal, and you've got the same basic disregard for your life. Yeah, it's fair. 
but the other thing that's interesting about that is that they didn't just implement the characters as just characters the way through. It actually changes the difficulty, right? That it does. As you as your character has more stakes and more like higher motivation to win these events, you need to get a higher like podium in order to advance to the next event. Yeah. And then without any the, punishment for getting like between that and first place, which I think is really nice. Right. So, so I think just, as like the first character you play, you start and you have to get fifth place or higher on right. every event and then you can keep and progressing. There's no difference. Yeah, your trophies, there's no difference between first and fifth. Yeah. And then when you move on to the next character you play as, I think you have to get in the top three. Third. Yep. Um, so now you're kind of moving up in the world. You're kind of doing the pro-style races. Where yeah, it's you're a little more, bit more difficult. The AI's turned up a little bit. You're a blonde dude. you got a lot to prove, you know. Yeah. you got to go for third or better. That sounds familiar. It does, doesn't it? It does. It really does. And then... How uncomfortable. There's a, there's a final difficulty setting, although I didn't unlock it. But I think you, I would assume you have to get first. I would also assume I'm that. I'm just making that assumption. That's a bold assumption, but I agree with you. So it's, it's interesting to look at where those games reached. And I guess after Apocalypse... And Apocalypse changes a lot just because... It's a different game, it feels like. Yeah, it feels... What was your initial impression? So my initial impression coming into it, and this is thinking back to when it launched in 2011 during that summer, was... Yeah, how would you have described it 24 hours ago before you'd played it? <sighs> Sorry, like before I re replayed some of it. Yeah, um, it was dramatically different to the point that it started to not feel or think it was a MotorStorm game. Like that's kind of my interpretation as I was heading into it. As like this game that all right, you're no longer out in the wilderness. You're now in a city. There's things changing on the course. You don't have complete control over which tracks and events you're choosing. The music is now different, although I think it's better. Um, and you're, I, I think the most dramatic impact to me is the environment. Definitely. It's, like it's you're very different. This like city area where there's all of these things happening, and then having kind of the story elements played to it. And it just felt like such a dramatic turn off of where Pacific Rift was that it felt too far, bridged too far, whereas like... This isn't MotorStorm anymore. So we left out before we get to your like present day reactions. We left yeah. out two other things that were pretty dramatically changed in that boardroom meeting. One of which was, I think, the handling model. Oh yes, I think saw huge differences between uh, Pacific Rift and Apocalypse. Yeah, much, much, much better. Oh yeah, I totally agree. I feel like the game is responsive to what is happening and. Yeah, I don't it feels know. like you're in control of your car, or yeah. bike, or superbike, or lowrider, or yeah, whatever you're driving, yeah. big rig, or uh, monster truck. Yeah. It, I guess the best comparison I have for that is when thinking back to Rift and Motorstorm, I felt like those games are on a sled, so you can't really change direction that easily. Yeah, you can kind this slide around corners and... Yeah, and try and alter your trajectory, but... Outside of that, you're kind of going. Yeah. And here you start to be able to take corners, and so there's a more the, dynamic the, camera, too. The way you too. use boost around, oh my god, the camera is just amazing. The camera's fantastic. The way you use boost around corners really affects your cornering radius. Yes. Instead of in MotorStorm previously, where it was like, the slower you go, the, slow, the narrower your turning radius, basically bar none. Right. Um, so I think that, not only is that like way better, it's like 
way better as like a stopgap, like a halfway point between Pacific Rift and Drive Club. Which it's, it's supposed to be a dramatically different handling. Yeah, it's weird when you look back at the games and think about where it was and where it came from. You can see inspirations into it that you couldn't see back then. Definitely. And the other thing that really changes is the way that the game approached music. Whereas Motorstorm 1 and Pacific Rift... The other thing that Pacific Rift did... Sorry. The other thing that uh, Apocalypse did dramatically different is the way it approached music and the soundtrack. Instead of having like a full suite of licensed songs and Pendulum opening up the game, mm-hmm. uh, Apocalypse took a single licensed song by Klaus Bedell, the Pirates of the Caribbean guy, composer. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea. Yep. And then had a bunch of... That's inv- a very iconic song. It is. All right. Invited... Well, okay. So I'm not sure if he I did, did the full theme, okay. but I know he did the soundtrack of a lot of the series. It gotcha. might have been the later series. It's worth looking up. Regardless, when you're I thinking about like... Movies. Fair. Um, the way that movies are scored and the type of instrumentation and musicality that you get out of a movie, and especially something like that, as opposed to what you got, where you got lyrically driven music in the previous games. Right. I mean, in movies, you have this idea of a theme that drives a whole movie or a whole series, and the, the movie is scored by iterating upon that theme. And that's basically what they did here by having this central song and then inviting a bunch of mostly British, um, mostly electronic musicians to remix the songs for different instances. And then each of those remixes is used in specific contexts within the game. And it's kind of cool to see how that pans out. It's really cool. Yeah, it's interesting. And they're, it's it's from what I can tell, I know this is true in Drive Club, they're composed in a way that's very um, video gamey where... Um, each the song is segmented down into parts. So when you finish an event, there's always like a like a tail out part of the song from very close to that point in the song. Gotcha. So it can transition cool. between without having to be a different. Yeah. So you can make al- essentially you can make almost dynamic music basically. Huh. Um, so that's a really cool thing. And as far as I'm aware, they're pretty innovative in that space. Like that was a unique idea to them, and that's definitely done within Drive Club, except to a broader extent. I think it really changes the atmosphere in Apocalypse for me. Where Definitely. it starts to bring it together a little bit more than you ever saw in Pacific Rift or in the first Motorstorm. And you start to have moments where the music is like a crescendo to a moment that's happening as opposed to just being in the background. Like just it's just playing on the radio. Inflexible score, yeah. 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 It's less of a radio, more of a theme. Yeah. Which brings us neatly into. So what did you think about Apocalypse this time, Craig? Oh, man. We started with Pacific Rift today. We did. We remembered our memories of Motorstorm fairly we, well. We, we felt were like... Paying tribute. Yeah. We felt like Pacific Rift and then Motorstorm was the way to go. Yeah. Well, um, arguably we started kind of in a bad position because we started with the Drive Club. We did. And then we went backwards and we went back to Pacific Rift. And then we went back forward and then, then we went to Apocalypse. But I was blown away. Actually, I was like, this game is forgotten, and it is sad, and they were doing really cool shit at the time. And we were uh, playing it on a 3D TV, which was not a thing that I had back at the time. No way. Um, (laughs) And playing through the game and seeing just, like, how much stuff was going on and how good the game still was running to. Like, from a technical perspective, I was just surprised that this was happening on a PS3. I was like, this is incredible. I was like, this is... 
Especially going from Drive Club with its screenshots yeah. and its, yeah. I it's mean. gorgeous. And you start to see it. Like, you see there's a screenshot mode in Apocalypse 2. I think there's one Pacific Rift even. But um, yeah. you, you see some of those things that start to permeate through their games. But I was surprised at how good the handling was. Like, it felt good. It felt responsive. It felt like I had control over the vehicle. It felt like I had moments, even with everything going on there's fire there's complete madness yeah literally madness and i was i think that might have been the most surprise is how many different effects were happening on the screen that were changing the way that i was perceiving that environment yeah i mean i was shocked to see that the 3d was cool i mean we yeah. each of us has seen used our 3d on our tvs like once maybe yeah, twice I, I use it to watch pacific Rim, which might be why it's stuck yeah. in your head now that would probably and add that and it being a great movie also true um yeah i mean it it looks good. It does. It was gorgeous. It runs great, and it's it's totally worth trying. I couldn't. I, was, I kept waiting for the moment when the game wouldn't be able to deliver something new to me because I'm like understanding a little bit, just just a little bit, just from a mile away of how games are developed. I'm like they have to have run out of resources to keep creating these set pieces. So whatever their development pipeline is, so they could make it so all these buildings could come down and all of these different things could happen dynamically and within the race. Fantastic. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, we got to the end of day two out of three and we didn't really see a lot of recycled content. Yeah, I, I kind of expected after we had finished like the rookie campaign essentially and gotten out and then we started with the, the guy with the blonde hair. I was like, all right, so we're just going to now right, play let's through. repeat that harder. Yeah, let's repeat, no. yeah, more difficult. And we saw some repeated tracks, but then there was interspersed with more new content that was doing even crazier stuff with, like, the water spout that was just, okay, there's now... Yeah, we're a, back on the boardwalk. Okay, we've raced this track. Oh, shit, right? now there's a fucking tornado going through and, and reshaping the whole track. Throws off and there's a Ferris wheel now rolling through. I was like, hey, it's Twisted Metal, but not quite. But um, yeah, Pretty much. It was a... Uh, so it was something entirely different where I think having some space and not going into it with like yeah, the, yeah the notions like of Pacific Rift and it being the follow up to that and being like alright so I want the next Motorstorm to be like this and it was like alright I just want to play Apocalypse like and let's see what this is and it just it felt like there was a different perspective on it where I'm like man I've I feel bad that I neglected this game and didn't try and champion it more years ago to other people and be like, this thing is awesome. This is a crazy fun game. And I think this you... This is a game that's fun to people that don't even... There's so much going on and the track changes that 99% of... Okay. 50% of what most people are going to say is boring about racing games is pretty much addressed by this game. Oh, I think it's boring to race around the same track twice. Well, guess what? Apocalypse has you covered because that track that ain't going to be the same. Yeah, And... I think the, the thing about it is like the different things that are happening on the track enable you to not even get frustrated at something going wrong. Yeah, because like, it's like, oh, the track's fault, not mine. Yeah, I just I ended up losing this race. I didn't get first or second place, and you're like, I don't really care. Like, I'm just happy I survived. Yeah, and it's interesting that the game's structure addresses that frustration. Because the environment's always changing, it's pretty easy to understand why you might not get first in every race. Yeah. And for the first two-thirds of the game, that's not even necessary. Right, you don't even have to... I mean, as long as you land, land in that, like, top half... I mean, there's 12 people on the course at a time, but you're in the top five, then... I think that's actually something, as uh, as we were getting further in the game, 
that I was really appreciating that like even if someone yeah, wasn't like quest good, for perfection. Yeah, even if you're not that great at racing games or even if you have a, a crappy race, it doesn't make you replay it, which I think kind of helps keep... It helps lend like support to the idea that these things are like real and happening, you know. Yeah. You that, play it again and you start to see that they're scripted. It starts to break it for you, but as long as yeah. you like giving you something where you just have to land in that top percentage and you're like, okay. Like, it's yeah. so achievable in that moment that you can just kind of keep progressing through it and you're not seeing the exact same race. And even if you saw played the same race again, you might see something different by taking a different route through all the different... There are a lot of different routes. Yeah. And that it feels like they took the kind of the... Like the overlapping track paths concept from Pacific Rift and turn that up as well because okay. there there's I mean, more there's, verticality. I feel yeah, there's more verticality. There's more horizontality. Yeah, that's even a thing. And there's the cool concept of cards to be collected. I mean, these levels are so big that they put four to five cards in each level, and you find like one of them per race, and you feel kind of lucky, right? Which is a cool concept in itself. It's weird to have like a hidden collectible in a racing game. Like it's not something. It's like it's something you think about abnormal. a yeah, it's a role playing awesome. game or an adventure game or something like that where you have it works. time to sleuth around that environment where here it's like if you're going like 80 miles per hour 100 miles per hour and then all of a sudden you see one you're like maybe you can get it but maybe you'll crash trying to reach it too I think it works better here than it does in games that aren't racing because first of all there's a challenge in getting them true and second of all it adds replayability to levels and especially on the the upper difficulty when you have to replay it and you're starting to see that these things are scripted you might as well collect some cards while you're at it right so that's kind of neat adds like a little bit of memorization to the course as well or that like moment of fragility that you missed it, and because the course might reshape, you might not get another shot at it, too. And you're like, definitely. It's like, you really feel like you missed out on something a little bit, too. Or the opposite. There's cards that you just don't even know how to get, and then the level reshapes itself. Although it doesn't happen as often as I think, but, you know. Yeah. Um, we, what, I mean, what else? Should we talk about Apocalypse more, or should we move on to the two lesser-known MotorStorm titles? Probably, I mean, the... The thing that I would leave Apocalypse with is that... Set of rocks. Yeah, it's awesome. Is that I think it's probably a title. Obviously, I think it was played by too few people, but it's something that even now, if you still have a PS3 hooked up or something, like you should go play it. Like it's It just, looks great. It's fun. Yeah. Like I just had Absolutely. a stupid smirk on my face just by <laughs> all of when the you crazy lost. stuff happening. Yeah, that I was like, I don't even care. This is just... An, this is just... A blast. Yeah, it's just fun. And sometimes I get lost in some yeah, of the games. Sometimes that, yeah, absolutely. Especially when you are going from like more simulation type stuff in the genre and then all of a sudden you're just like this is just stupid, silly, crazy. Like there's just there's tanks driving up on the beach and just shooting, shooting down like, bridges. Yeah. yeah. The golden gates yeah, falling down. You're like, what is happening right now? It's like galloping Gertie is happening while you're driving. That's also a thing that happens, yeah. There's all these like memorable I ran over soldiers that were storming the beach. You did that do felt that. bad. It it feels like Call of Duty's campaign just got like smashed into a <laughs> racing game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they're Whoops. like I'm sorry, I did not mean to interrupt your game. <laughs> we're just gonna throw a bunch of crazy vehicles into it. So that's one thing about it. It uh it removes your ability to have vehicle selection as you head into a race. That is true, and you'd think that would be a big bummer. Yeah. But it's kinda not. I, surprisingly yeah it, even in Rift you get down to where there's like 
certain vehicles allowed, right? Like you have a couple. I guess that's true. They were kind of whittling it down. Yeah, you had like either some lighter vehicles and like maybe a heavy vehicle or something like that, but you'd have some variety towards your playstyle. Where this, it's like if you're going through the campaign, then you're doing it on whatever vehicle we say you get for this race. Yeah. Which I wonder if that helps them be able to tailor the actual the actual track. mechanics of what's going on. Yeah. Right. Knowing Lord knows how they did some of the scripting for those things. Jeez. Um. But yeah, tell me what were uh, what were some of the other games released within the Motorstorm Pantheon that So there are two others. Okay. Both of them minor, one of which I have experience with and one of which I believe you have experience rude with. Rude that you called them minor. I mean the one one was for the PSP. Could be worse, could have been for the Vita, but Rude. You know, I know. Uh hashtag Vita never dies. <laughs> hashtag Vita never dies. There is a motorstorm that is playable on the Vita though, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we're definitely gonna talk about that in a second. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm thinking of Motorstorm Arctic Edge, or as it was known in Japan, what was it again? Motorstorm Raging Ice? <laughs> Raging Ice, which is, <laughs> hands down, the best Motorstorm name I think I've heard. It Raging. is. I mean, compared to Apocalypse and Pacific Rift. Pacific Rift is pretty good. It is great, actually. I, I actually... A very, very vivid, like, image there. Right. That was, that's a good one, but... Raging Ice. Raging Ice is tops. That, that might be tops fantastic. of the name of any game subtitle ever. That I was Usually I'm not even really caring about much about game subtitles. I'm like, yeah, I do really need to add a subtitle to this? But with Raging Ice. Raging yeah, Ice, definitely. It, it is... I hope it was bigger than the name Motorstorm on the packaging. I hope so as well. So uh, We can probably check that very quickly, but yeah. we're not gonna. No. That was set in the Arctic, and that was really cool, and I played a bit of it on the PSP, and I don't remember that much because it was on the PSP, and it wasn't Luminous. That's sad. It is tragic. PSP but I was, never died. I played it after Apocalypse. Oh, really? I really liked Apocalypse, so it was kind of like... It was it like, like a step, step back? back? Okay. Yeah, because it was more like... Well, I think it was parallel with Pacific Rift, basically. Okay, not in the time frame at all, but it felt to me kind of parallel because it was working on, you know. So one thing we should mention is that that game is not developed by Evolution Studios. It's developed by Big Big. Yeah. Which, was which a, is a subsidiary of Evolution, it sounds like. Right, so a sister studio, so to say, but at the same time... Uh, that is not canon. No, that's the first thing I was thinking. I was like, this is not canon, but you see it kind of go out to another developer that has ties to the studio and kind of come back to it but yeah, it's, it's not the it's recommended if you need a PSP racing game in a pinch in 2016 so nope no one in the audience is listening to that um so Motorstorm craving the Arctic Motorstorm experience which does sound awesome that actually that does sound I, I can only imagine like different things that could happen if you took, like, Apocalypse and mixed it with the Arctic area... Wait, there's no civilizations it. in the Arctic. Well, who cares about that? Like, Sorry, Inuits. All right. So, yeah, rude. Um, <laughs> Motorstorm global warming. Global. <laughs> <laughs> you just have, like, parts of it just, like, melting away and, like, the ice just collapsing in on itself. Polar just, vortex. Like, to, oh, man, that just sounds that depressing. Sounds awesome. It could easily be New York City in a polar vortex. That's also true. That's a wild TM on that. Yeah. Um, you could add Canada. Sure could. Cool. They already did that in one of their later games. Spoiler alert. Um, so the other Motorstorm game that came out and uh, came to PS3 and did make it over to Vita. Hashtag Vita never dies. Boosh. Um, it was Motorstorm RC, which is 
not really anything like MotorStorm to your expectations. Is this like Pixel point. Junk Racers? Yeah, that's actually it's top down. So it's like a top down um, track racer where you're going around something that's like you can see on a single screen, right? So like you can see the entire track and being able to maneuver around it, and it's an RC car, right? So right. it's a it's it's not this behind the vehicle perspective and not as dependent on you being able to change vehicle class types and all that type of stuff. So how does this play? Like, is it fun? Is there unique physics going on? Is it environmental in any way? There's some stuff going on. It reminds me almost as if you were going to, like, make an homage to, like, Excitebike. Okay. I didn't play that, unfortunately. I don't have enough class. Yeah, so if we go back to NES, but even then, it's still different enough, but uh, it's definitely... I guess Picture Drink Racers, if anyone played that... Um, one of the lesser-known Pixel Run games. It that game doesn't give you free control of the vehicle. You're pretty much on track, right? Like where you're being with like four people, and you're just like holding the trigger and controlling your speed to go around corners. Where this, you have oh, so that's proper. I, I didn't even play that game much enough yeah. to remember that that's basically like slot cars. Then exactly there you okay. go. Yeah, so that's very much like that. Where this, it feels like if you were to go out with uh, to like a park and you saw like kind of a different dirt mounds and stuff like that and you'd be able to control your vehicle kind of going around that and stuff and doing those types of things like you could do that with rc so is it 3d enough for like elevation and verticality to matter at all there were i remember there being some jumps and stuff but i feel like i'm going to do the game a disservice just because i didn't play it enough or recently right, right. to think about it fair enough um but it was kind of this it was like a fun diversion it came out 2012 um i believe and it, it seemed like it was at a time when, like, a lot of the different established franchises were trying to do different things with them. So, like, I don't know... It is a fair thing, huh? I don't know the time frame of this, but, like, I'm thinking of another first-party title like Ratchet... Or, I guess, first... Or owned IP by Sony with Ratchet and Clank, developed by Insomniac. But, like, they had a Ratchet and Clank game came out that had, like, tower defense elements and, like, stuff like that, where they were, like, mixing genres to see if it would apply to, yeah, to that franchise. Yeah. yeah. And it, this felt like one of those kind of experiments. Uh, you had, like, Burnout Crash was around, like, that, that time. Game rocked. Um, You're right. That is that is a time frame, yeah. Yeah. So, so you had a lot of different things with people trying to play with the experimental and the download. Hmm. period. Yeah. It was a download-only game, so this was not like a full retail. Yeah, so they, they probably had more realm of exploration considering it was seeing less shelves and less people at the yeah. time. Lower cost also, so lower barrier of entry for people to just kind of mess with it. Definitely. Um, so then after that, uh, take the hiatus until, uh, until Drive Club comes out. Yeah, I guess that brings us neatly into that. Up to the PlayStation 4 era. So the, I think the core concept of Drive Club is this idea of clubs. Yeah. Where you join up, and you're earning experience and fame together by competing against shared objectives, and basically completing the core, like you know, single player mode, um, but contributing to a bigger whole, and that unlocking things along the way, unlocking cars, and there's like liveries and customization options and that type of stuff happening, right? Yeah, not car customization itself, not mechanical, no appearance sure. changing, but okay. definitely liveries and stuff like that. I think. Basically, the core focus of Drive Club is its visual fidelity, and it, it's... This game is gorgeous. It is, and it uses all sorts of track locations that are not really seen in other racing games. I mean, they're, it's divided into, I think, six now? 
after two added in the patch, maybe three. No, that wouldn't work out. Yeah, so two out of six were added in the patch. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, so what got, did it launch with? So it was we got Canada, Canada, we got mm-hmm. India, we got uh, Chile. Chile, and we got what's the last one? And there's Japan and Scotland were added later. Let's yeah, the other one. Is Norway in it? Yeah. Did I not say Norway? No. Shame on me. Yeah. Yeah, Norway. Um, and these are mostly like point-to-point tracks or circuits arranged from point-to-point track, like locations in the real world. Yeah. I don't know how realistic they are. these are. I don't have a lot of... I have some experience driving around BC and the environment certainly is realistic, but I don't BC know. BC being British Columbia? It, it sure would, yes. Okay. Um, which is where all the Canada maps are, I think. Okay. Um, but I don't have a lot of experience going out and checking to see if, you know, the roads are exactly the same. Right. But they sure capture, from that, yeah, they definitely capture the feeling of being in those environments, which is really awesome. That's what I was curious about. Like, did it, being somewhere where some of this has been set, like, I've never been to Chile, I've mm-hmm. never been to India, places I've wanted to visit, and this game actually once makes me want to go there more. Yes. Um, <laughs> but being in BC... Does this game properly evoke memories or nostalgia of your time there based on seeing some of the track locations? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially of my drive across all of Canada. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was the very beginning and I was feel like it was, yeah, it definitely reminds me of the valleys, especially as you go up into the Rockies there. And so that's awesome. It's cool that this game gave me nostalgia, and it's cool that this game evoked, like, places that I want to see and drive in my own life. So I guess that's, like, a key differentiator to me of where you would have been with like if a proper Gran Turismo had come out or something like that like you're not there's no Nürburgring or there's no like some of those like world famous tracks they're not present in here right? Absolutely not there's a couple race tracks BHR Raceway I'm not even sure if that's a real thing but if it is I've definitely never heard of it okay and I think that that's awesome and yeah these are definitely like location based races rather than track based you know this track from every other racing game you've ever played right you've seen this before and now it has higher fidelity and now you can see the actual tire marks that are left here from years and years of racing exactly there is no graffiti on the Nürburgring that's yeah that's what I was thinking I was like we didn't laser map exactly what the track looks like into the game and I'm wondering if they did laser map actual roads from around these places I have no idea but they sure nailed how they look they're gorgeous as far as I can tell so, as we start to delve a little bit further into Drive Club and the simulation aspect of it, this is your realm, right? Like, this is where you're experienced in racing in the genre is within yeah. kind of more of this type of stuff. Yeah, more towards the hardcore, I guess. Yeah. So, Forza and... Yeah, I think... Previous Gran Turismo and some of the more hardcore Need for Speed titles like Shift, right? I, yeah, those are definitely my favorites. I've played every Need for Speed game without, with the exception of two. Uh, one from the Porsche Unleashed era and one from the recent era. I think the one after Rivals. Oh, God. Um, no, the most recent one after Rivals was Need for Speed. Oh, well, then it was Rivals that I haven't played. Okay, yeah. I believe that's actually correct, yeah. Yeah, that sounds... Um, so, that's a lot of Need for Speeds. I've played Gran Turismo since 4, which okay. isn't really that far back, but no. I didn't get a PS2 until end era. I played Enthusia, which me and one other person have ever played. Oh, man. And that game rocked way harder than Gran Turismo 4 anyway. What was... Uh... 
Oh, Auto Modelista. I, I played That's like every I'm rally game of. ever. I really want to try that. The game looks awesome. That's yeah, so, that one. I feel like I missed out on. That's yeah, a throwback to a PS2 era cell shaded racer. I think by Namco. That is awesome. Namco um, Bandai, I think. Enthusiast by Konami. Random. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mostly, I'm a PC gamer, especially prior to the PS3 era. So that would be why. A lot of rally racing too, right? Yeah, definitely. post WRC era, but yeah, with everything rally that's released. come out since then, yeah, Codemasters and fucking, I really got into it, both the sport and the games by uh, Rally Sport Challenge on the Xbox. Oh, which okay. were great games. Yeah, R- yeah, especially RSC two. Yeah, um, yeah. So this game is an interesting strike between like something that's shooting for true simulation, like I would say Forza is, and something that's a little more arcadey, like I would say... Need for Speed? Or yeah. I, mean, I think it's kind of right in between there in terms of its handling model, but the more I play it, the more that I'm convinced that's not true, and it's actually pretty simulation-y on its own. I was going to say, there's... Um, the word simulation is something that scares me. It, it's yeah, something, I don't blame you. It doesn't necessarily just bring memories of fun to me like it's not exactly <laughs> something that just brings about where i'm like all right excitement like this is something that's going to this is going to punish you yeah. every mistake you make on the whole track long and it almost feels when i hear the like word simulation it reminds me of, like the fighting game genre where i'm like the slope and barrier to entry is very high but once you exceed that then you reach fun like you have to get to a point where you're experienced and you know what you're doing and you it's know an how to... Yeah, exactly. So, you, yeah, you can even go through... Or maybe Bloodborne or Dead Souls. Like, There's definitely like a level of experience needed before you can actually kind of like, I like push this. through that. Dead Souls sounds like a fun game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. And I'm also into other... Anything with simulation attached at the beginning of it from The Sims to SimCity to Cities to... I don't even know what else. Some ant. Yeah, I played yeah. Sim Ant a ton back in the day. <laughs> um, actually. So, but yeah, so Drive Club it freaked me out originally. Yeah, I'm like, no, uh, I mean, and it was yeah, as a kind of a hardcore racing game fan, I'm long past the point of even bothering to try recommending any of these games to my friends. So I'm happy that other people gave Drive Club a chance, and it seems like most of the people that have played it, Craig, yeah, have enjoyed it. I was, I think uh, it's something where. I would recommend it to other people as well. Like the why? I mean, they had to add difficulty levels because so many people were upset that it was so hard. So, so that's interesting because, like, that's something this that is, this I, is not an easy game. Just I don't see, especially in like the early goings. Like, you have a game where clearly it is not Need for Speed. Like, it's not Burnout, right? You right. you do have to use. There is a break. It's not button. <laughs> it's not Motorstorm. Yeah, it's not Motorstorm. <laughs> So if you're experienced and you're kind of coming into this with that idea of what you're going to get, then you're in for a rough time. But at the same time, it's much more forgiving. There's not... Um, I don't know what the track lines are called that you see in, like, Forza, where it's yeah, There's like, no guide. Yeah, there's no guide, like, telling you how to take the corners Best and line. stuff Sorry, like that. there we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, it doesn't even have that. It doesn't... Outside of like some, there's some, like some like scoring. Yeah, it's for like cornering. But, but they don't even show you where to break. It's just kind of right. It's just a single color. Yeah, it's not a. It doesn't tell you how to do it. And I think the f- part of this game, it, it reached fun level much quicker than 
I would think a Gran Turismo Forza would. I think the the balance that it strikes in the handling, where it still is forgiving enough that you can kind of brute force your way around a track, but as you start to learn how to, like... But you want to get better. You want to get better. Yeah, it challenges you to, like... You're like, all right, I see how to do this, and I'm getting around the track now, but I can be better at this. And I think a big point of focus is that uh, my beef with Gran Turismo, for example, has always been that it's fucking impossible to figure out how to start every single game. They haven't fixed that issue since four, at least. Yeah. You have so many choices of events, and within those events, the fact that you just buy a car and then you're eligible for a wide range of events, none of which is really specifically for your car. Yeah. So you're going to go into a lot of these events and just fucking lose immediately. Drive Club gives you quite a wide range of selection of cars to choose from, but all they're them, all bracketed. They all have... They all allow you to reach win state, right? Exactly. And that's that's a good thing that if I think Force is a lot better about that, communicating the level requirements, numbering your car. Over Gran Turismo? Or over, yeah, over okay. Gran Turismo, sorry. Sure. Um, while still giving you the choice of a wide variety of cars. I think Forza does that a lot better. Yeah. But it's still, it, I mean, it's still coming from the approach of wanting to give you basically every car choice for most races. Um, yeah, and this game neatly avoids that with its selection of tremendously European cars, most of which I feel like I have not heard of before, despite I, being kind of a car enthusiast. Yeah, it, a lot of these were, outside of when you leave things like the Maseratis and the Audis and the um, yeah, Aston Martin cars, and yeah. say like, once you leave that realm of like That's the supercars, European yeah, mainstays, yeah, where you're like, all right, those make it into American car shows and stuff like that. Right, you're into territory like Gumpert, which isn't that obscure. Never heard. From down, from there, just down to things like Marussia and Mazanti and GTA and Hennessy. I mean, that's more known, but true. And the only American car manufacturer in the base game. Yeah. Um, I guess that's curious. Is that I feel like this game specifically to me speaks to less is more. Where yeah, oh yeah. It, at the beginning, especially like starting out like the tour and just kind of getting into it and to your point, like narrowing down that car selection and kind of getting you into a couple events and kind of getting your feet wet. Like it's not until you reach much later into the events where you have more than like two, three, four cars available. And then you're like, oh, okay, now there's some now choices. There's a lot here. of options, yeah. But it's now up to more of what still, you've learned up to that point. And you right, feel what capable. you're comfortable with and what you want to use. Yeah, and you it's can, still not like... I mean, even when there's a wide selection of cars, they're all pretty well balanced. Right. In terms of, like, you're not going to pick one and make a mistake with it. And if you do, you reach a point with it where you're like, nope, I'm still going to win with this car. Right. <laughs> or, I'm going to fucking do it. Or you try and push through it and figure out how to... Um, pick another car that's a little bit faster or something like that definitely oh my it did it, it, it looks so good god the it, screenshot mode in it is deep and incredible i it, the game's gotten better the more i've played it too like the, the way it looks like the first yeah, you really grow into it actually yeah when you first see it car games have always been part of the culture when consoles launched to be like graphic pushing the limits, yeah, yeah they've always been something that helps showcase what something's capable of and like you started it up and you're like okay well the cars look better like great but then like the first race and it turns from day to night your headlights come on and pretty much the rest of the environment because you're racing through 
you know, nighttime. Yeah, you're racing during nighttime, and you're out in the the fucking boonies. Yeah, you're not you're on, on a track Chile. that yeah. has a professional lighting system. It. Yeah, exactly. Also that, yeah. yeah, so like you're out there, and it's just black on the screen except for pretty much the stars and what your headlights illuminate. And at that point, you're just like, this is incredible. Like this is a a moment in a series that will now travel with me forward. Especially in terms of the night lighting. Not since, yeah, I think it was Shift 2 that did night lighting the best before, where when the when the sun goes down, you're fucking terrified. Yeah, it changes like, everything. This is just like that. You can no longer see which way a corner might be heading as you get closer to it. It's like you come into it, and you're like, if you're not paying attention to clues on the track that helps set up what you're heading into, then... Yeah, if you have your HUD turned off, you can be in real trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's unique things they do with the gameplay, even from that perspective, that... Um, I don't think I introduced to you unless you pay attention to the loading screens that I guess you might have been able to see done a little bit better where like the flags on the corners right yeah so. instead of that guideline the, there's like these it's basically one prop it's like a big giant drive club flag and yeah. just the color of it whether it's green yellow or red indicates the severity of the corner coming up Yeah, which is pretty interesting It's it's a good way of like integrating some of those clues into the environment to make it less unrealistic to have a line painted down on the track. I was going to say, it gives you a little bit of a visual cue that keeps your eyes focused forward on the track too, right? Like you just see it out of your peripheral and it's enough to be able to recognize what you might need to be doing as you head towards it. And that is true of the UI as well, the little gracing elements about the UI. Like at the bottom of the screen when you come up on some of these little challenges, you'll see your score stacked up on the left, I think, with the competitor's score on the right. And at the end, I mean, it's these numbers ticking up, and whoever wins, the whole that whole part of the interface slides away to one side or the other based on who won. Like, so you don't really have to be looking at these numbers to see if you won. You don't have to look at part of the interface to see text that says you won. You can just visually, from your peripheral vision, watch that slide and know if you made it or not. That's something that's interesting because like, your peripheral is best for motion, movement, right? It's yeah, not. Movement. It's not good for detail. So being able to have those types of things integrated. So that's clever. Yeah. <laughs> And it's. I think that that cleverness extends to the way the level's designed. And I'm thinking of the fact that these levels can give me nostalgia for places that I haven't exactly been or that I've been close to and make me want want to go to places that I haven't been. And just how beautiful the, the level design in general is. I was really reminded of today when we were playing the MotorStorm games because especially if you look at Pacific Rift, which is a game that's all about, like, driving through jungles. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And vines and other environments that are very claustrophobic. The way that they... The way that they convey... Use conveyance. Use our big game design words here. Oh, boy. To indicate what ways the tracks are going, especially when tracks are splitting up and converging like mad. Yeah. Speaks to genius level design. Like, it's it's really good environmental design. God, it's just impressive, period. Sorry, before you go on, that... All of those different branching paths have comparable time frames in yeah. the end. Yeah, that's a, that's that's also impeccable. Genius. Yeah, and in Apocalypse, I mean, I think the genius came down to the fact that the events were so impeccably timed and scripted that they never really fucked you up. Yeah, with skyscrapers falling down in front of you and you driving through them, like the way that these events were designed was genius. And I, I think that all that, without all of the same over the top things going on, all that shows through in Drive Club pretty clearly. It feels like they took what was learned from those games by going over the top and then applied restraint. Absolutely. And then by applying the right amount of restraint, they were able to reach this 
balance within Drive Club of something that strikes a line that I don't know of any other. Maybe Forza Horizon 2, which I don't have experience with, so I can't speak to it. Game rocks. It's not really, I wouldn't say it's balanced or restrained. But I think it's in the same part of the racing game spectrum. You think it's the same level of simulation versus arcade? I think, based on what I know about it, I think it lives in that same area. Like it's That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, it's not as far out on one side, and it's not as far... That makes sense handling-wise, but you being able to just drive off the track and drive across the country and all those silly things... True. ...puts it a little bit less serious. I guess we're talking just purely about the actual, like physics of the vehicles yes i agree with that um it's just it's just so good so the soundtrack good. is ac- excellent how Sorry. many screenshots did you take though no. uh, i don't know you saw me scrolling down that list God. before i realized you can make them in png how embarrassing <laughs> hundreds for sure and it's really cool that every time there's a patch we talk about uh just evolution. talk about the general ui design but it's awesome yeah it's it's awesome. Remember that time they were just like, "Fuck it." We realized that our like physics model worked for bikes too, so we made a new game. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and it sounds like I haven't played it shamefully, but it sounds like it's kind of the best bike game out there, like the best superbike sim. Uh, same tracks, different vehicles, different number of wheels. Yeah, well, um, yeah, two, right? Yeah, two. Is that how that works? That's correct. You have your license. I you do have my license. Yeah, yeah, that is a little. It's probably a good reason why I don't own one right now. <laughs> Just saying. Haven't passed the test. I did pass the test. That's how, many, how I got my license. Well, the new test is how many wheels does this type of vehicle have? And you'd be like, three. And they'd be like, sir, there's a type of bike for that. Oh, I did. We're not talking about trikes. That's okay. just not those. Those are weird. God, they're, oh, they're even so need a bad. motorcycle license for those bitches. I don't think you do. Which probably speaks. To, just, just don't. Just please. If you're listening to this, I'm gonna make a plea to you. Do not buy a trike. Don't. Just just don't. What if they feel like it, they value safety in their own life and or limbs? Then buy a convertible. I don't care. Like, buy something. Like, uh, buy a convertible known as a Jeep. You can take the doors off. You can take the roof off. You how can many, get how the many outside. doors do you want to get on that Jeep? You want to get two doors. We're talking about a real Jeep here. <laughs> get out of here with your unlimited nonsense. Boosh. Uh, but what were we talking about? We were talking about the UI. And oh my god, it's gorgeous. So god, every time there's gorgeous. a community update, they use PS4 share-like community pictures that they get sent on Twitter, and they change all the menu images with them, which is awesome. That's... It's, it's glorious, except for that one. And now I feel... Yeah, I was going to say, the loading screen right now is like a Volkswagen bug with this film grain filter applied to it, and it looks... It's just the worst. I'm sorry to whoever at Evolution. I hope you guys are listening to this and enjoying us talk about your great game, but... Yeah, that's my one criticism bad. of your fucking game. So, Come on, dude. It's so ugly. It's awful. Especially when you have the 370Z on, like, the restart. Oh, my God, God. it's amazing with, like, the fucking backfires out the tailpipes, yep. like, illuminating the whole scene because it's a night picture. See, that's glorious. I guess one thing that you could talk about, and something that I think is so cool about the photo mode, is implementation. I mean, what, the controls, or, like, how much depth there is? So, I think it goes threefold. I think it starts with the fact that a single touch of the touchpad, which no matter... Your finger's close to. Yeah, no matter where you're at in a race, just instant pause, that scene is completely frozen. It's the fact that there's no... Like lag time there. There's nothing. There's no bringing up the menu first. Yeah, it's a single pane that slides you right into it. I mean, you just slip right into there. It just ease on in, you know. It's so good, so smooth. It is. It feels great. It does. Um, 
but then you start talking about some of the photo features yeah, and you like get in like the more advanced aperture focal distance you lost me blah 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 screen filters oh god what was that Instagram thing on the bottom bokeh <laughs> I had to look up what bokeh was, and I feel like I'm a moderately advanced like digital <laughs> camera user. Uh, you can pick Christmas tree, guys, so it's all good. Yeah, thank God for that. I, I'm not even going to try this. You can look it up, B-O-K-E-H. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to try to insult myself by describing what it is. But, yeah. You should it, embed like, the let me Google it for you and, and link in the description. Deal. God. Um, God. Yeah, it, it just looks good. And... The game looks great on its own, but the uh, screenshot mode adds like a processing sort of thing that kicks in after a minute, like a second or two of like you any freeze, like you've got. Yeah. Uh, so once you think it looks good, you just pause there, and post processing kicks in, anti-aliasing, motion blur, things like that. And then, I mean, then you have a game that's worthy of. Some of the pictures are downright photorealistic. There are. There's definitely photos throughout, and photos that I've seen posted. I think I saw. Um, Oh, God, I think it was Nissan. I think it might have been Nissan. Um, someone on Twitter retweeted pictures from Drive Club. It was a car manufacturer that was like, gorgeous pictures of your ride. And it was pictures from Drive Club. That's when I posted it, not tagged PS4 in. And I was like, that is incredible. And then someone was like, those are screenshots from a video game. And then they replied Nissan back. Nissan of all companies. Like, Looks I hope great. that wasn't them. I... God, oh man, I feel like I need to look that up. But I—that's hilarious. It was amazing, and I just remember seeing that, and then I was like, I took a look at the picture. Yeah, I yeah, would have fooled it me. Checks out. Yeah, yeah especially if you're avoiding some like, even depending on when you set some of the different apertures and the motion blur settings, like the trees no longer having like slightly lower resolutions and maybe not looking that great when it starts to get a little blurry and you start to kind of remove some of the photorealism from the background then you really capture the car and you're this is incredible definitely absolutely the environments the cars are so good we're almost to that point where you can put the camera right next to the car and look at the textures without detecting like texture fuzz we're almost there close we're very very this game is the closest I've seen I've yeah this is the even now being a couple years in the life cycle and finally, I feel embarrassed that I bought this game probably a year ago, put it in once, played one thing, and then had that moment of, I suck at this game, took it out. And then, unfortunately, it was seeing Evolution close that I was like, I need to pay tribute to their games. And then being like, well, now I'm going to platinum this game and probably buy the season pass, which is too little too late. So I'm, I'm sorry, but... Hopefully it goes to show that the you know Sony should continue to support the game, which it sounds like they're going to do. So it's still worth picking up. Yeah. What about the audio? So we talked about where they started going in Apocalypse with remakes and the theme. How did that present itself within Drive Club? So Hybrid Hybrid did the score, which so is same like people, a, same no, person. No, no, what? No, as Apocalypse. No, no that was Klaus Patel. Oh God, the, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates Caribbean guy. guy. This is a famous electronic group. Oh, I feel embarrassed. No, I mean it's 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 okay. It's not. They're very famous for doing. Um, well, first of all, one of their composers is Harry Gregson Williams, who you may know as the composer of most of the Metal Gear Solid score. Does Got a ton it. of film scores. Okay, uh, he works with them often. Uh, they're basically a group from Wales that is really prolific. 
that is really well known for combining electronic music sounds with orchestral music sounds. Oh. Uh, and very interesting, but more towards electronic ways. So okay. They did four songs for this game, and then they had a bunch of people from fucking Noisia to DJ Shadow to Fred V and Graphics. Actually, I've heard of DJ Shadow. Boosh. Uh, to Elite Force who you would probably recognize from some of the Wipeout soundtracks. Oh. Um, another former and now defunct Sony studio. R.I.P. Oh. Uh, yeah. Lots of remixes from people and the soundtrack's really awesome. And they added some new remixes and bikes, which not oh, did I don't like as much, but yeah. So, still good. And then the audio on the cars, I can't really speak to because I haven't heard a lot of these cars in person. Yeah, that's the one but thing. Some of the Ferraris sound fucking terrifying. So ten out of ten there. True. Well, you were talking about the electric vehicles as well. Sound. Yeah, oh yeah, sound crazy, but st- loud. It's <laughs> interesting to look at like the handling model as well as the audio, and since we're people that aren't a means to have driven a lot of these vehicles, that it's difficult to understand where they fall on the spectrum and how they should feel and also yeah I don't know how to evaluate how realistic this is to be fair we're driving it with analog sticks on a controller right? like we're not using a wheel I am $2,000 away <laughs> from having a wheel set up surprised it's not like a GoFundMe page to set up your wheel setup so you who can... would fund that I when I almost lost a leg people would be funding hospital bills that's true yeah plus I'm going to have to build a reversed like the pedals reversed or something Oh, yeah, so your left foot could use it? Yeah. You think you can tear apart a set of racing pedals and put it in reverse? So, but... Hmm. Why don't you just shift it on the floor to the left a little bit? <laughs> Craig, that is just nuts. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, I, well, I'm trying to decide if I'm... Don't gonna, you want it the same well, way so, your vehicle, like, in real life would drive? Well, I guess my question is, how am I going to do a clutch? Am I going to bother to have one? Hmm. Where would I, I mean, put it? I mean, real men use clutches. I'm not a real man. I've, real drivers use clutches. Pretended. I don't even want it to be a sexist thing. I've never even pretended to um, be that person. Plus, I'm going to get paddle shifters like a man. God. Ugh. Clutches are antiquated, oh. Greg. Deal with it. So is a transmission, for that matter. Oh. CVT. But driving, it's part of it is throwing... Clutch, like that's well. You can go buy a Gumpert then and blow out the clutch <laughs> in the first year. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I don't know. I, I would. I think I was telling you this. I was saying this on yesterday, Friday, or whenever we were talking about Drive Club, and I was like, "This is the first game that I felt like I wanted to own my own that steering is, wheel." That's very impressive. Yeah, I was like. I'm enjoying the actual process of doing this. Like, I'd rather I'd want to take it to the next step and be like, all right, I'm I'm all sure. in. I'm all in. Let's yeah. go. I'm going deep. Well, I mean, the question is, uh, the, to flop back to a previous topic briefly, the real issue with having a clutch is I'd need to fortify the whole, like, battle station way more <laughs> to get the, like, fucking manly throwing of the clutch down in all the different ways. Well, then it comes down to what type of, like, actual clutch What type of action? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, like, I'm just going to take the clutch out of your car. <laughs> Jesus, that thing you can... <laughs> If anyone's ever driven a Jeep, they know that thing can throw. Although, you switch over to, like, a Honda and drive my brother's car, and it's like no, driving it's a, a small a, spaceship. A, like, you just barely move it. Yeah, it's, it's a bitch-ass clutch, right? It's, I mean, it's adorable. Yeah. Whee! It's fun. It's fun in a different way. It's fun in a way I think these supercars would be fun, where I'm like, 
You saying your brother's Honda Civic is comparable to a supercar? <laughs> we really do need to go to Vegas. <laughs> I mean, it's the sport. True. SI, VTech just kicking, yo. Yo, VTech. What else is there to talk about in this game besides our resounding recommendation? So, I think we need to talk about after the shaky launch. What type of support they did after the game came out. So and many freaking expansions. I have never seen... So many trophies. Yeah, I've never seen this many trophies in a game. And I... There's a lot. I, I might be a small holder for trophies. Like, you are. You're already going full platinum on a genre you don't really care about. It's 100% true, but it's because it's a game I do care about. Boosh. So... There are a lot. So you get... So I have the platinum in the game. and Which I believe you can get with the PS Plus edition believe although we really should have researched that we should have but the game is currently as of march 26 2016 yeah it's $20 american for the p or for the full game and the season pass and i'm like that that's just stupid value yeah that's a, that's the, like you know what that is right there craig that is a studio closing one time value God. <laughs> Clearance. It, it 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 does feel that way. Yeah, you don't but, often get video game clearances. So, how many different DLC packages do you think they released over the, over a year after the game came out? I have to count, but I feel like uh, definitely ten. Yeah, at least ten, and each one has several trophies. So each of them has new cars, like two or several right, events. Yeah. So they have like so a small like events. five or six yeah different events, and so. Um, the way they did this... They counted. There's a lot. They didn't want to fracture the community, to my knowledge. So all the maps, like the actual locales... Yeah, you all get for free. Yeah, they're patched in the game. But you won't have... You can do single events and races and multiplayer races on them. But you won't have tour events and challenges like that set on them unless you buy the DLC. And the cars are locked behind the paywall. Okay. Which is, you know... As well as additional liveries and stuff correct. like that, right? Yeah. A lot of which look really cool. Yeah. Which I guess gets into a little bit more... So, the social aspect, not only customizing your car, but when the servers did come back online, how much did you dig into that? Like, did you you, did you join a club? Did you start actually contributing? Like, Yeah, I joined a club for sure. And how the beautiful thing is, you it? just contribute naturally. I mean, you just whatever you're doing in the game is contributing to your club. Uh so the same I way you're really leveling have any yourself friends. up, yeah. you're leveling up the club simultaneously. Experience isn't getting split it's between; it's dumping into both. At Correct. The same right? Okay. And I didn't have any friends who played this game or any racing game, so it was kind of a hello. Can someone help me do these challenges? Hey, Craig, do you have any friends at work that play drive club? <laughs> and Craig hunted down his friends list and was like, "Oh yeah, I guess I got one." Yep. Um, so I didn't really. I wasn't on a club that I was like super active with or doing multiplayer races with. But man, it would have been cool if that was the thing. Um, but even so, even contributing to a club that I don't really like, have it know anyone on, it was still like satisfying, and I was still unlocking stuff, and I was still seeing contributions and challenges from them, and that was pretty interesting. So interesting to be part of into a community, like kind yeah, of. It was, it was really one of the first multiplayer games that I kind of delved into, other than fucking Unreal Tournament back in the day. Oh jeez, not really the same genre. Sorry, Warhawk. There we go. Oh, man. Warhawk's so good. Yeah, it really was. Um, it's just, it's a, it, it's astonishing to me, and I guess it probably speaks to the community for someone that was watching it from afar, where I'm like, I own the game, I still wasn't playing it, but I was seeing these new content releases happening on such a frequent basis, and I'm like, 
They have monthly updates. Yeah, if the studio is pushing these out, like clearly there's a fan base that is paying for it too. Like someone has to be paying to help bring this content continue forth. Like Sony hasn't shifted, and maybe maybe there was a team in Evolution that was just DLC that would make sense, and there was a team that was working on whatever was next for them, whether it was a sequel or the VR tech or whatever. Yeah, so there was a there's I know they had a PSVR demo um, they showed off to the press, I believe. Um, which I now would like is, to see that. God, yeah, as we start getting closer to PSVR and pre-order it and start getting ready for it to show up, I'm like, and now I'm in this game, I'm like, oh, man. With yeah, the cockpit really views, I... Yeah, it was really the only thing that had me kind of going for the VR, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll get it one day, but I, that was what had me now. I would have loved to see that. It's just, it's quite astonishing. It feels like this is a, a DLC plan and a season pass done right Absolutely. It really feels like there was respect for the community, especially after the challenges that were faced, to continue to support and the way in which they were pushing out those updates and incorporating the community into like the the actual UI shows kind of that bridge that was being developed between both sides of a developer and the fan base. It was very cool. It feels it almost feels like in the wake of their closure, it feels like it might have worked a little better if they were more of a B studio. Which isn't really a thing that exists anymore. Not so much. But, yeah, I mean, it's good to... It's awesome to know that this kind of thing can exist. It felt like... Even if it was... I, I really hope it wasn't just pity support from Sony. I hope so, too. It seemed at this point... I was honestly... I was surprised when the news came out that they were being closed. Me, too. It felt like we had... It seemed like things were going so well. We made it through the hurdles. Yeah, it felt like we pushed past that point, especially with the fact that there was continued support that I'm like, all right, well, clearly the community is still behind this and clearly there's being money being put into it to continue further development. Like, they didn't just walk away from it. So if the studio was going to close, I thought it'd be like six months after you get the PS Plus edition out, you get everything kind of ironed out, you leave a skeleton crew to kind of work on patches and stuff, but you don't put money into further content and trying to build the brand and drive club bikes like a major expansion that got um its own time at uh paris games week i believe is when it was announced last year in 2015 i think that's right yeah so announced in front of the european market put out as a standalone product or an expansion for the base game with different pricing tiers i believe yeah it's like all of those things it didn't speak to a studio closure. Yeah. It really is tragic. It's been interesting to reminisce on them, though. Yeah, it really has. I hope it's been interesting to spend a weekend playing their games. I mean, they're all pretty impeccable. Yeah. It, it's it's most interesting, I think, this one that we were looking at with Drive or with Motorstorm is that there's nothing that's filled the void that that game was filling. Definitely. Like, it got to a point where. Saturation started to hit where I think you had like Motorstorm. Like you had a bunch of racing games trying to do different stuff. You had Motorstorm and you had Blur and you had uh, Split Second and you had uh, the Burnout series obviously taking place. And you had even as Criterion took stewardship as Need for Speed, you saw more of that um, behave almost as if a spiritual successor to some of the Burnout games. Yeah. That now on this generation of consoles. There's nothing that's this crazy. We're going back. Yeah. Right? Need for speed and rebooting. Well, it, well I basically. mean, but 
it doesn't get to what the core of like what a motorstorm game was. Right. Like there's nothing that's offering this like crazy different racing experience. There's no there is no burnout right now. There is no You're t- right. title that's that offers sad. that type of thing. And I'm like after it being uh five years since Apocalypse came out, I'm like I'm I would have been ready for another visit more, to, yeah. to that type of gameplay on this generation that mayhem yeah well so and, we got closing thoughts yeah oh, oh you were gonna say something else no i was gonna say and i hope that whatever the guys do that are leaving evolution or have left if they're not placed within sony at another studio proper if they're off to kind of strike it and start up something indie i hope they're able to do something creative and fun yeah this is definitely a studio whose personnel i'd follow yeah kind of like criterion it's it's Curious. It seems like part of that cycle, right? You start out indie, you get acquired, yeah. you go big, you get shut down, you go on your own. You kind of start you make again. something either back to the roots of what you first started with or something that's more free than you were able to make in the under the stewardship of a big company. It, it's curious also that like Drive Club is clearly a AAA title. Yeah. Like when it came out, I don't think it was it is slick. treated with that reverence of what like a AAA game would have been. And because of probably the server issues and content but it's like when you go back to it now and being someone that's like kind of getting a first introduction to it after they've done all of these patches and content releases and revisions to the game and like seeing what it is today I'm like Jesus this thing is this is a beast it's an impeccable yeah this is a refined this is a very special product that I don't think is unfortunately getting the credit it got or should have received yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of AAA racing games that... I guess the Need for Speed series kind of sells a lot and pushes... But it doesn't feel like any of these games get, like... Really cross over into, like, the mainstream. Yeah, it's a niche product at its heart, no matter how... At least that's how I've always assumed it was. And it's a... You've got some diehard fucking fans. New IP. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which, obviously... Shouldn't be a downside, but it is, I guess. Yeah. Especially when you have juggernauts out there that are like you know old and after, unchanging like after, Gran Turismo and Forza uh, and after like 20 years of like parents going and buying games for people or something like that or just hearing it in the culture of like oh there's racing games oh there's Drive Club on the shelf and there's Need for Speed I know Need for there's a movie called Need for Speed I'll, <sighs> I'll buy this one like peasants I'd buy the new one yeah but one of those things about general General purchase habits, I suppose. I guess so. Retail store. What do you give Drive Club, Craig? Give it a tip of the glass. <laughs> I give it a ten. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. It's good. It's uh, I don't know how I'd rate the Motorstorm games. I don't know either. I don't. I can't really go back and rate. No, them like I was that, gonna but. say it's such a a moment in time, I guess, when you're looking at it. But but they are fucking fun and they hold up. Yeah. I, I would, they're all great to me like when I look at it so I think that about wraps it up R.I.P. Evolution R.I.P. Evolution <laughs> that sounds like a weird rap album gosh <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna try and rap oh, thought about it for a second bummer we'll just say R.I.P. Revolution we'll call it quits for there until next time some tune um you got a postscript we didn't start with a question. Do you want to add it in? Oh, yeah. Craig, what is our question? What defunct game studio 
Would you want to make a comeback if you could choose any of them? My answer is really boring and predictable, so I'd like you to go first. Oh, God. Is yours evolution? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So, what if we exclude evolution from Ah. The- I mean, what if I pick another racing game studio from the same country? Is that also boring? You get to choose Bizarre. Ooh. That's a good one, right? Yeah, I pick Bizarre. That's okay. better than Studio Liverpool. Oh, well, Studio Liverpool's a good one also. Yeah, I, they're kind of tied, but... I just love my kudos. Yeah. How about you? Um, so I would actually go back to another Sony-owned studio <gasps> that was shuttered. Zipper Interactive. And what, what would you like Zipper to make? SOCOM. Which is funny. Because that is funny, isn't it? They were pretty much shuttered after SOCOM because of it releasing... goddamn tsunami. Yeah. Really, well, no, it, uh, it wasn't during the tsunami. It was during the uh, PSN hack. And... Oh. Even while worse. the PSN was down for an online-only SOCOM game. They just put it out there, didn't they? It was released. I think it was released like the day of, day before, or something like that. It was right around then. And then congratulations for the next three weeks. No one can play your brand new game. And then by the time PSN comes back up, you've missed... It's so unfair. ...the landfall, and it's, it's over. It's so unfair. It is unfair. So, correct me if I'm wrong, did Motorstorm Apocalypse also suffer the influence of the PSN down outage? I need to look it up. I think it was entirely separate time periods. Okay, good. But, so, we'll have to correct, but I think the tsunami and when the the nuclear issues in Japan happened, I believe it was, it might have even been separated by a year. It might have been a different summer. Okay, fair enough. Both happened around the same season, but I think, I don't remember what time frame was. Okay, cool. But yeah, I'd bring back good old zipper. Zip. This brings us to the end of another awesome episode of the Emotive Pixels podcast. If you want more from us, you can find us on iTunes and at our webpage, www.emotivepixelspodcast.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash emotivepixels, or follow us on Twitter at emotivepixels. And as always, keep keep on on playing. playing!